How's it going this week, everybody? This week I'm going to be having Michael on the show, and he's got a whole lot of stories that are really, really interesting, and he even had a Jersey Devil signing that we'll get to right at the end. Very exciting, and I'm glad he came on to share his stories today. Also, just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the members who have been signing up. I really appreciate it. You guys really help keep things going around here. If you guys are interested in the membership, you can head over to challengetheunknown.com and get early access to episodes two weeks before they come out. And one last thing before we get started tonight is this episode is sponsored by Smoky Mountain Squatch Coffee Company. Nathan sent me over the Cowboy Blend to try and I'm very impressed with the quality and flavor. As many of you know, I'm a huge coffee drinker and just for my audience, there's a 10% discount code. If you follow the link in the description and use code CTU at checkout, you'll get a great discount and know that you're not only supporting the show, but you're also supporting Bigfoot research as a portion of their profits go into researching the mysterious creature. Thanks for listening. I was I was about maybe nine years old at this point. Uh, I've moved around so many places over the years. Uh, my dad, he's with the uh, government, and he's worked as uh, a civil engineer for the BIA and for the uh, the Army Corps engineers. So we've moved a lot, quite a bit. Um, and so back, I guess. Yeah, this was about when I was nine. We were there's a there was a Kmart in Juneau, and near that that uh, Juneau, Alaska, uh, which is the capital of Alaska, it, there, near that Kmart there is a trail that goes into the woods. And my dad has always fostered in us a, a sense of one exploration, but also just uh, general, you know, trying to stay. Uh, healthy and be active. So he would take us out on hikes uh, in different places or trails in Juneau. And so we go down this trail that's, that's near, not Kmart's no longer there, by the way. Um, but we go down this trail and uh, as we're walking through it, we come to this strange clearing and it's not a really well-known trail. Uh, not many of the locals in Juneau know that it's there. And I, as far as I'm aware, I don't think it's even there anymore it was quite overgrown but um as, as we're going through the trail there we come to a clearing and it's almost like a perfectly circular clearing and it's probably about a mile like not a mile it's probably like uh maybe three thousand feet wide that that about half a mile thereabouts and um it's it's, it's everything's dead all the trees are black and the ground is it, it's a it, Juno has a very lush forest. I mean, it's, a, it's an Arctic rainforest. So to see a, a, a patch of the woods where literally everything is dead and there wasn't any birds or anything along that, that of, of those lines, it was just, and it was perfectly circular. Like you could sit, stand in the middle and it would be a equal amount of distance to any of the ends of this circle. And so we, when we ended up there, it, it seemed like it just, it just felt different. And, and I, I remember telling my dad, I said, I, I feel like this place is, is you know, otherworldly or ghostly. 
you know, and, and he said I was just being funny because, you know, I, I was always into, you know, weird stories and stuff like that. But he, uh, he said, you know, I guess he started to get a little freaked out because we tried to leave the circle. Uh, and, and the grass was all dead. Uh, any of the plant life on the ground was dead. It was dry and quite, uh, it was like brown and in, in a forest that everything was really lushly green, emerald green. And, and so as we tried to leave this, this circle in the woods, uh, we ended up getting quite, quite a good ways to the edge. And then the trail seemed to cut off. So we, we turned, we, we took a, a little bit towards, towards another edge and we went out that way. And we continue, continued to hike for about 45 minutes into what we thought were the edge of the woods. Um, and according, according to, I mean, at this point, we probably figured we were quite lost. And we checked the moss growing on the trees uh, to check where north was, et cetera. Uh, so we, we were sure we were going in one direction, and yet somehow we kept ending up back at this area of just completely dead plant life. It was it was so bizarre, and it continued like this for about four hours of us trying to leave this circle and going off in different directions, trying different things, you know, judging our direction by the moss on the trees, and still ending up lost. And and at this point, my dad was panicked. And I started to get, you know, really kind of excited by the whole uh, predicament that we were in. So I, I was laughing. And the instant I started laughing, we were able to leave the circle. And, and, we, we, and it turned out we were only about five minutes from the road the whole time. Huh. That's weird. And that, that, it, it, it was so weird. And. You know, I try to see if that circle's there because all the trees were dead, so there's no like, like uh, things on the trees, like uh, leaves or uh, needle, pine needles or anything like that. It was just all dead, so you could see up the sky. So I tried to look at this site from Google uh, Maps uh, recently, and and I didn't see anything there. Like there was no clearing, but there's also no trail. There used right. to be a trail that you could see from from satellite, and, and you can't see it anymore. Yeah, man, it's really interesting, you know. I know you've got your, your theories about that, and and the second uh, portion of... The second similar encounter that you have is, is very intriguing to me that we'll get to in a second here, but, you know, what do you think it was, man? Why why do you think that this phenomenon was happening? Why, why were you stuck? Well, see, I didn't think too much of it. I thought we were just extremely disoriented when I was, when I was young, and... and I thought it was just a, a bizarre happening, but um, I, I guess when when I got older, and I guess this was, I, I was always raised in a, a Protestant household. So from about age, you know, birth to 17, I was, you know, raised pretty staunchly fundamentalist Protestant. And then, you know, I went, uh, I ended up graduating and I went to college and, you know, that changes everything. So I was like hardcore atheist until I was 23. And then from 23 to 27, I started to really get interested in, in other religions and, and, and spiritualities that don't hold the, the traditional view of the, 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 the cosmos in the Christian sense, but one that might match up more with a, 
a scientific view of the cosmos in a way, and I, not, not staunchly scientific, but one that would, that would not outright contradict many things in, in, in the scientific uh, view of the universe. And so I started to look at, at these different spiritualities and one thing led to another. I asked for some signs. I, I made some prayers and uh, I, I, I felt like I was contacted by a, uh, a, ga- a, a, a Gaelic goddess named Bridget, uh, Brigid or Breed, uh, many names. But um, so I started to work with the uh, whole uh, Celtic polytheist view uh, of the, the, you know, reality or mythology and some stuff like that. And uh, th- there is something that's discussed in not just the Celtic uh, folklore, but also in Germanic and in, in even Native American folklore regarding uh, little people of the hills and uh, elves and Germanic folklore and fairies in Celtic folklore. And one of the things that can happen is if you enter a space that is, uh, I guess, occupied, or, or I get, I don't. Some people think it's like a, like a, like a portal or something like that. Other people think it's just a distortion in space time or something like that. It can tell tons of different reasons for it, but uh, they call it being pixie led, and so you get stuck in the space. And there's a, there's a circular space uh, clearing up in New Jersey called the Devil's Circle. Uh, and it's, it has exactly the same lore. And I didn't find out about that till I was about 25. And I looked back and I was like, I saw space like this in Juneau, Alaska. It's, it was completely bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, man, the stuff is really weird, you know, uh, in particular about like, I guess the fairies as, as we call it. I've never done an episode for, uh, fairies in particular. I've talked to a lot of people about it, but you know, a lot of people say that like when they're children, they have these memories of these little entities or whatever, you know, and I don't really know what they are. And I've never had anybody come on the show to talk about them or talk about what they saw when they were kids. But, you know, it's really interesting to me that that so many people have these accounts of, you know, seeing these little fairies or whatever you want to call them. So well, they're not just little. That's the thing is that they, they, they call them the fair folk. Uh, and they, they can, they can, you know, there's some, some, I guess pixies are generally, you know, viewed as, as little, but there's, there's other types and, you know, they, 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 they're, they're described in most of the, the folklore is almost like you could consider beings from another dimension or the other world as, as it's called in, in the Celtic, uh, in, in the Celtic polytheist beliefs. So and in one, one author I know who, who writes quite a bit about the subject is uh, an author named Morgan Daimler. And she has a, a blog, uh, Living Liminally. And uh, in that, she does discuss quite a bit of uh, Gaelic, but also in a wider sense, uh, you know, just very related uh, happenings uh, in general. So I would, I would definitely, if you were interested in that, I'd, I'd give her a look. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, so let's get uh, let's get to your second story, man. What what happened there? Okay, well, so kind of similar to the first, 
only with this. It was, uh, I was in Pennsylvania and uh, we lived in Cresco, which is a large, like, it's an area in the Poconos, but it's way deep into the woods. It's like where people go into re- retire and never be heard from again. And uh, it, it, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's just surrounded by huge swaths of untouched game land. So I, I've always, you know, I kept up that whole adventuring attitude from when I was young. And I'd go into the backyard, which was on about maybe... 25 square miles of, of game land or so, and uh, just trees and rivers and streams is beautiful. But there was one place that I had a similar experience to the one I had in Juneau. And that was, it was along a hill near a, a, a boulder field, like kind of like broken rocks and such. And if you're familiar at all with the missing 411 cases, yeah. They always talk about the boulder, boulder fields. And that's usually when, where, you know, strange stuff happens is, you know, where natural boulder fields appear in the woods. But also, there's a thing in Pennsylvania, and uh, they have cairns, you know, like pyramids of rocks. Yeah. And they believe that they were either made as, like, trail markers by the Native Americans or maybe by early settlers. But there's cairns all throughout the woods in the Poconos. And uh, there's, a, there's actually a few societies that are devoted to trying to preserve them because when they build up there, they unfortunately destroy the cairns as well. But, uh, and there's large rocks and boulder fields, but they're, they're right in lines or grids. So it looks like they were placed intentionally, quite a few of them. Um, but this one didn't look intentional. This looked like a natural boulder field. And uh, I, I go up the hill that's surrounded by these boulder fields just to, you know, see. Cause I was, I, I'd like to get lost in the woods and intentionally disorient myself. But this was different because I was on the top of the hill, on top of a precipice, looking down. And so I figured out which way to go home. But once I was up there, I would go down the hill and I was sure I'm walking downhill the whole time. So you feel it on your calves, you know, when you walk downstairs or anything like that. And it's very steep. So I'm walking down this hill, and suddenly I'm back at the top of the hill. And it, it happens for maybe an hour of just, you know, uselessly trying to walk down the hill and coming back to the top. And then I heard this sound. And uh, oh, there's records in the old fairy space of Ireland of hearing fairy music. And this was quite a ways away from any known roads or anything like that, or really populated roads, you know, or any active building project because it's state game land. And uh, it's about two hours into the woods uh, that that you you find this place. And there was uh, a sound like, it sounded like a pipe organ mixed with, bells like and it would play on almost like a micro tonality measure and 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 rise in octaves and lower in octaves and it didn't sound like something that was distant it sounded like something that was right next to my ear and 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 it would be you know 
and it's like I could almost see where the sound was coming from, but there wasn't anything there that would be making that sound. So it was extremely bizarre. And then uh, as I stared, just completely mystified by this whole experience, I saw something that people describe as like a croaking being, like predator, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like you can see light bending around it, but you can't actually, you know, see it because it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like bent light. It's, it's cloaking. It's, I don't know how else to describe, describe it, but it was so weird. And after a while, I just, I guess it started getting dark and I was able to go home, but yeah, it was weird. Yeah, man, the, the cloaking figure is something that I've heard of before, you know, uh, especially with the missing 411 stuff. I know that that's been covered. I actually had somebody that, that was, uh, involved with a missing 411 case on my show. Oh God, that was such a long time ago. That was one of my favorite episodes I ever did. Uh, this, uh, gentleman, unfortunately when him and his friend were, you know, young teenagers, they were working on a boy scout badge and his buddy basically went missing and they never found him. And it's been like 30 years now. Uh, but you know, he just stepped outside of the light of the fire while they were talking to each other. And then like, like the disconnect button was hit. He was cut off mid sentence and they never found him, never heard from him again. So yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's really bizarre. You know, and, and, you know, do you ever hear about the, the children who were found uh, during some of these cases? They were talking about things like being taken into subterranean layers and asked to defecate on a piece of paper or stuff like that. These things are coming from, you know, children who are like, you know, describing these, these beings that are asking them to do that and stuff. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but, right. you know, it's, uh, it's super so weird. It seems to be something. Sorry, go ahead. It's just so weird, man. You know, like a lot of this stuff de defies all explanation. Like, first of all, the accounts from the survivors of this this stuff. You know, they describe that kind of weird stuff. And then there's the the kids that are also found. I remember there was one case where you, where they needed climbing gear to get up to this kid, and I was like, how is this possible? You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's people who've been gone for two hours, but their feet look worn. As though they've been walking for days. Yeah. It's it's weird, man. So, what do you think the cloaking creature is, man? Let me ask you that. Because I've, I've never talked to anyone directly that's seen it. You're the first person I have talked to that's actually seen it. Um, I've only heard the mm -hmm. stories from, like, Missing 411 and, and stuff like that. So, so, what do you think this thing was? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily skeptic about uh, the, these kinds of things. I always... I try to pursue the most mundane explanations first. And if I can't rule those out, then I'm willing to consider the bizarre. But the fact that a lot of this stuff has been, you know, related in the folklore of many different cultures throughout time, it, it seems like, you know, it's definitely something that people have observed. It's not a recent observation by any means. So, that that leads me to think, you know, if, if I was to assign some kind of mundane explanation, it would either be, you know, maybe a gas that, you know, light is reflecting around or, or whatever. And, you know, that's giving, causing ringing in the ears or something like that now, or, and causing disorientation, like some kind of chemical 
could cause all of these kind of things if it was to escape from the earth, you know? Right. But I don't know what chemical does that. So <laughs> I, I, that's, that's, that's a possible idea. And now I'm saying swamp gas and I feel bad about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's weird. It's such weird stuff, man. And I don't think all of it can be explained with natural causes, man. You know, I think there's something else out there. You know, the, I, I like, I like to be agnostic about it. I mean, I'm not going to say unless I know for sure what it is that I know that it's one thing or the other, or that I'm willing to rule anything out. Yeah. Right? I take I take the neutral ground in the stuff at this point. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And it, it's a, it's a fascinating encounter, man. You know, I I saw a cloaked thing going through the forest. I think I would freak out, and I don't know. I don't know what I would do, man. You know, it's I always think about these things. You know, it's it's always a big question mark to me to what I would do if I had some of the experiences that people have told me. You know. Even with something as simple as like a Sasquatch, you know, if, if I came across, you know, that nine foot tall creature, you know, I, I don't know what I would do, man. I, I feel like if, if, I, if I'm ever out in the woods, I'm going to have my 45 on me. But, you know, it's I, I feel like I would be really conflicted as to whether or not I would I would take a shot at something like that or or if I would run or if I would freeze, you know. I, I, I just don't know. And I don't think I'll ever know unless I have an experience with, with something out of the ordinary um, I wouldn't take a shot at it if, it if it's not threatening me, you know? I mean, just because it exists and it's weird, I don't think is worthy of the death penalty. So, right. But then, you know, you have the possibility of panic in there. And, you know, many people probably would take a shot at things that are, you know, a giant 10 foot tall, hairy ape creature in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, that in particular topic is something that I, that I often think about is what I would do if I ever came across one of those things, you know? And, uh, it's just like there's the whole side of like well if you bag a body then you have the scientific discovery of it but it's like are you really going to kill that thing if it wasn't threatening you and and i i would also have conflictions about how human they look and you know i i, I would i would really have to like make a decision before i went out there as to what i would do if i ever encountered one because i if, if i'm in the heat of the moment i can't be making that decision then and there you know it's it's uh it's a tough well, topic I, I... I do have a theory about it that could make it even worse if you did shoot it, uh, which is there, there's there's tales in the U.S. of, of giants in the hills, basically, you know, mm -hmm. in, in heavily wooded areas. Uh, some of the, the earliest settlers and, and even back to the Native Americans, again, they, they talk about, you know, these giants that live in you know, the hills in, in, you know, in New Mexico. And then you have the Sasquatch legends in British Columbia and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, you know, the, the thing that would explain a government cover-up and would explain, you know, literally much about the, 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 the whole elusive nature of this creature is, you know, have you ever seen what happens to a domestic animal? after a few generations of being feral, uh, they get big. Yeah. And they get hairy. Well, they, they get more wild animal looking. What if it's just a feral person? Like, that that, that go, went into the woods and just over many generations of, you know, natural selection to, 
being made into large beings like that you see with the Sasquatch? What if it's just a man? Well, that's the thing too is you know when i hear hunters accounts of them they say they don't take a shot because they they look too human and yeah. you know it might be and i've been saying this forever my opinion on the topic is there's no way this thing is is just a big gorilla you know yeah if, if it was a big gorilla <laughs> one would have wandered into your local circle k parking lot at some point you know and, and everyone would have taken pictures of it you know i th there's way more intelligence behind these things than than i think most people give them credit for and if you've heard the Sierra sounds, it sounds like they're talking to each other, you know, with the samurai mm -hmm. chatter and stuff. I'm like, that's not, that's not just a gorilla man, you know, uh, no. but it's communication. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. It's definitely a tough one, but let's move on to your third story, man. Uh, I know that uh, this one's a little, little more interesting. So, so it's the skull story. So, so tell me what happened there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So this one is, is I'm starting to, I feel like I'm starting to sound like I've had way too many supernatural experiences for one person having a single lifetime. <laughs> but maybe it's just because I, I might view them as supernatural experiences and be open to that possibility. But again, this is something I didn't really think too much as, as too supernatural until I got older. But um, there was... My family, we moved to Williamsburg, Virginia from Alaska. Uh, and at that time, that I moved from Fairbanks to Williamsburg, Virginia. And uh, they, there's, there's this neighborhood, and I won't mention it because I don't want to give them any undue, you know, uh, attention uh, that would bring people to go walk around in the backyards of these people, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> but there, there's these, this swamp like in the woods of this neighborhood and first i should say when we first got into the neighborhood it, it was that the house that we were in just had a bad feeling about it like or just the whole neighborhood really just the whole street was weird and not weird as in you know run down or anything like that it looked like a normal neighborhood but it just had a dark feeling and you know i'm still adventurous you know, 16 year old at that time. And I go off into the woods and uh, there's a swamp deep, deep into the woods. And there's gas rising from the swamp and dead animal bones everywhere. And I would have thought that it would be noxious gas and turn straight around if there wasn't for there being two swans dunking their head in the water and all that kind of stuff uh, in the middle of the swamp, in the middle of the woods in Virginia. Yeah, and uh, it was very strange. But um, I, I was like, you know, edgy goth kid teenager. I, I saw a, a deer skull on the ground, and I was like, I'm gonna take that home and put it on my dresser. So I, I did, and wouldn't do that now. Um, but I, I, I took it home and you know, uh, put it on my dresser and. I had this, 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 you know, the bad feelings in the house got even worse. But as I was taking it home from the swamp, the neighbors in that neighborhood were like watching me. They were all out on their front lawn watching me, like as if they knew they I took the skull. Whoa! <laughs> and and so I put it in the house, and weird shit starts happening. Like 
uh, a, a, a vase broke for no reason. No one was in the room and a vase broke. And, you know, okay, whatever. It might have been structurally unsound. No problem. But uh, my the room I was staying in with the skull was used to get, it was impossible to get it warm. And it was just, you know, cold all the time. And then uh, there was a, uh, the, the neighbors started coming over and they started bringing us like cookies and, and cakes and stuff. And they talked to my parents and then my parents would want to introduce me. And, uh, oh, I forgot. Well, when I went to go to the skull, I got a really bad case of poison ivy. Like I broke out and there were like splotches and like welts all over my face. So my parents would, you know, want to introduce me and then they'd have to explain that, no, my son doesn't have some horrible disease. He just got into some poison ivy. <laughs> and so they, uh, the neighbors would be talking to my parents and then one out of every group of neighbors, and there'd be like four families that came over during this time. One out of every group would turn to me and say, hey, so Michael, did you see the swans? Whoa. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And the first time, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. The second time, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, so I guess the neighborhood knows about it. And they're like, yeah, a lot of us knew about those swans being there. And then the third time and the fourth time, I'm like, maybe they're trying to tell me something. <laughs> it was so bizarre. So uh, after a while, you know, stranger things started to happen around the house. Like, you know, just just feelings. Like it wasn't even like, you know, physical things. It was just like just dread for no reason. Like I'd be playing a video game, feeling fine, and all of a sudden it feels like someone just died, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I, uh, I. I did something stupid and I was still a Christian at the time, but I was like 16 and starting to get out of, you know, what my parents' ideas of right and wrong was. And plus I was like fascinated by what was going on. So I got the skull and I got candle. I had a seance in my room and that was the first time doing anything occultic. And I had the TV on in the background Uh, or actually I had the TV off, but I had everything off actually because it was dark and I lit a candle and it did seance and the TV came on and was static and the radio came on and was static and I blew out the candle and pretty much stayed up the rest of the night just you know kind of with a blanket around myself in bed because I was terrified of what just happened um, <laughs> so I resolved that night to go and take the skull and take it back to the swamp and I, 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 I come back to the swamp and I've only told about three people this story. So, <laughs> but, um, I go back to the swamp and, uh, the, the, the neighbors are watching me and they don't see that I have a skull with me, but like, cause I put it in like a, a, a black bag and I'm, I'm walking over to the swamp, this like black duffel bag. And I'm just, you know, uh, just, walking down and they're all staring at me as I'm going back. And I'm just like, I take the skull out of the bag and I place it in, in the swamp. And then it's weird, but I almost like, after I place it back where I found it on the edge of the swamp, I kind of black out. And when I come to, 
I'm in the middle of a peninsula that stretches into the swamp, and it's surrounded by water on all sides. But in the middle of that peninsula, there's a tree, and it's just growing out of the swamp. So that's the only thing giving that island structure. So I don't know how I got to that island. I don't know how I made it there. But as I go to walk back across the peninsula, what I think is solid ground gives way into mud, and I begin to sink. And I sink up to about my chest, and I, I quickly grab onto a, a nearby branch, and I use that to pull me out. And, you know, now I'm really freaked out because I'm covered in mud and almost died in quicksand. And I'm walking back, and my clothes feel really heavy. And neighbors aren't watching me this time or anything like that. And I enter the house, and my parents are like, what happened to you? And I said, I, I fell in the mud. But, yeah, that's, that's the story. You know, man, how, <laughs> how, I got is, how I got started out in all of this kind of like UFO conspiracy aliens and, and all this kind of stuff is back when I was in grade school, you know, and, and, this, and this is leading into something you said about during your story is me and my good friend Trevor uh, used to hang out like all the time. He'd spend the night, you know, we'd, we'd secretly watch South Park because we weren't allowed to and stuff like that. But one of the things that we were really into was like, he was a huge tech nut, like audio and video production. And then uh, we were both really into like the aliens and stuff, you know, all the, all the scary, spooky stuff. So we would go on like all the old forums back in like 2010, you know, and look at uh, like alien caught on camera in the forest, you know, stuff from like, you know, on like on old YouTube, you know, like really just spooky stuff. And we'd stay up all night watching that stuff, you know, or like UFO sighting caught on tape and stuff like that, like the fun stuff. And, you know, I can't really judge you for uh, doing a, you know, a seance with this deer skull, because at first I was like, I was like, man, that sounds really stupid. But then I'm like, you know, I wouldn't put it past me. I'd probably do some dumb fucking shit like that, too. Honestly, in my opinion, <laughs> I would probably have done that if I was in the similar situation. But man, that's so and weird. 16. Yeah, like exactly. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I probably would have done the same thing, done something, something weird like that uh, just just for fun, you know, and it's such a crazy story, man. Like the whole like kind of cultish like behavior from the neighbors is really weird. You know, it makes you wonder well, what I, else is going on in those woods. I intended to go back this year, and I, I left to go to Virginia in the beginning of March of this year. And unfortunately, I had to leave because they were canceling all the fights later that March, so I never got the chance to go back. Oh, that's brutal, man. Maybe one day in the future <laughs> you'll get that chance, man. And, uh, you know, I'd say don't screw with any deer skulls, but... Uh, Man, that's such a that's such a wild story, man. I love that. That's really cool. What an experience, man, for sure. You know, that's straight up like a cursed item there. That's that's freaky, you know. And, and it, well, it's not just the skull. I think the whole swamp is a cursed item. Yeah, that's the thing because there's just it looked like people were sinking bodies into that bog, man, and and there are just bones around it, like of a deer and 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 a dog and stuff like that although i didn't see the dog's skull i saw a dog uh like forearm um uh, femur no not femur. that's like uh, i don't know anyway yeah it was it was crazy fascinating man that's that's so creepy i that that swamp freaks me and i'm picturing it in my head and i just you know it's, I, i'm getting some bad like some bad <laughs> mojo off my my 
projection of this swamp. It's like I probably wouldn't wouldn't go in there willingly. But uh, let's get oh. to your final story, man. Uh, let's yes, let's hit it, man. Like I, you're gonna be the first person I've ever had that's, that's supposedly possibly seen this creature. So let's uh, let's just hit it right off the tee, man. What'd you see? Okay, I saw the Jersey Devil in 2016 or rather what i thought at the time was the jersey devil uh so i lived in uh i moved from cresco over to a more populous city that's about 45 minutes away uh called east stroudsburg pennsylvania and i worked because i was just trying to get started in the it field in palmerton pennsylvania and that's about an hour and 15 minutes uh difference so or commute so I, I commute out for about an hour and 15 minutes and commute back. Well, I worked the late shift. So I'd end up getting out of work at, you know, 10, sometimes 12 p.m. or 12 a.m., but 10 p.m. Uh, and and uh, one night I was heading home late because I was, I was working overtime, and I think it was about 1 a.m., uh, and I was driving down the road. And I, I, I'm driving, and there's this large stretch of land, land uh, of farmland with nothing on either side of the road. And this is over by uh, just southwest of Cresbyville. And um, I don't feel bad sharing that location because it's a very populated street. You know, it's a uh, 209, uh, and it, go, it, it goes throughout most of Pennsylvania, but. Um, yeah, so, uh, I see coming towards me, like two red dots that look really far away, but they're like in the sky and, you know, I, I slow down and out of the night, the, the red dots keep getting closer, but then I just see what looks like two massive leathery wings and they, uh, they, they, they like swoop really close to my car windshield and I'm like freaking out. Uh, so I, I slam on the brakes, I get out of the car and I hear just, it's got a, it was just a massive sound. It was like the wings were just huge. Like it was the sound of like, you know, you ever, when you're making your bed, you, you know, fluff the sheets. That's yes. what it sounded like, but yeah. like with wings, but I couldn't see it going the opposite direction because I didn't have my, my car's headlamp. So, I was a little shaken uh, by that whole encounter, and I went home. And that's that's that. Jersey Devil sighting, man. I, I don't I don't know. I know you're the skeptic uh, of the of the conversation here, man. But I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb, man. I I think that was that was the the red eyes sells it for me, you know. It, and and the <laughs> the swooping of the the wings, man. That 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 swooping sound of it of it, you know, taking off is. That's classic Jersey, Jersey Devil, man. I'm telling you, I've I've been trying for the longest time to find someone that's seen it, and uh, you're the first, man. That's that's such a cool cool experience. I know it was short, and you know, just you it, know. Was, it was really short. Like it was over in like 30 seconds, but I was just my heart was pounding because I was like, I get to now be that guy who gets to be like at parties, yes, all the Jersey Devil, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, man. It's it's but a cool I don't story think it was though. The Jersey Devil. You don't think so? I don't. I don't. I actually uh, I posted this on Reddit this story about three months ago to just you know 
see because I was thinking about it one night in bed when I couldn't sleep. So I made a post about it, and it got me interested uh, as to what what could be a very mundane explanation for this. And I was looking at bird species that that were you know common there, and turkey vultures are common in Pennsylvania, but they have uh, white-tipped wings. So I probably would not mistake them as being, you know, these black leathery wings that I saw that night. But what I did think is that it could have been uh, the black vulture, Corygips uh, trotus, uh, it's the black buzzard or the carrion crow. And Lancaster County, that same year in 2016, had a huge boom of black vultures. And they do have a wingspan of up to five and a half feet. And according to now, now vultures usually are, are daytime creatures. They're not ever, you know, usually known to be nocturnal. But in September 2011's issue of the Journal of Raptor Research, they observed uh, turkey vultures in Pennsylvania uh, feeding nocturnally at uh, a landfill. And then uh, they also noticed that black vultures would do the same thing during periods of drought. And when I had the sighting, there was a period of drought. So, and also the other thing that, that leads me to think it was a black vulture is if you shine a light in a vulture's eyes, uh, specifically black vultures, I know, but I don't know about turkey vultures, but if you shine a light in their eyes, it looks red. But, and they have waxy wings. So, I might have interpreted that as leathery, but I mean, I don't know. It could have been straight up Jersey devil. I don't know. <laughs> but that's the only mundane explanation I could think with all the bird species. Cause those are the pretty much the biggest birds that you'd see there that will look like that at night. But that's the only explanation I think that would match that. Yeah, man. Anything mundane. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm thinking Jersey devil, man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go <laughs> screw this logic, man. I love, I love, the Jersey Devil <laughs> stuff, man. I'd I'd far prefer the weird, you know, uh, freaky horse winged hoofed creature flying through the air. I, you know, I far prefer that. But uh, honestly, yeah, man, it, it was it was scary, man. <laughs> yeah, for real, man. But um, we're we're right at the end of end of our time slot here, man. But I wanted to thank you for coming on, man. You had some great stories, man. <laughs> 